When I joined the church, I didn't know anyone. Volunteering has introduced me to different people. I don't feel alone. I look forward to coming to serve because I know I will see people that I know and I care about. I think the idea of more campuses is an exciting one because we are a family that moved in and a new campus really met a need that we had. I think I'm excited about REACH. It just really has the chance of stretching a lot of folks' faith, our own included. And while that can be daunting, it's also exciting because I've seen it before and I see how it changes. Folks, and has changed us. Christ Church, it's time to REACH. Well, good morning and uh, welcome to Christ Church and a special welcome to those joining us upstairs at the 01 and at Crossroads in Highland Park. Uh, yes, congratulations on getting here at the right time, although in the last 10 years all that means is congratulations on owning a smartphone that adjusts the time for you. You just have to get up. Um, yeah, so Reach is about to pivot uh, this past Friday, staff, elders, Deacons and some others gathered at the Crossroads campus for an advanced commitment, uh, making pledges early. It was a great time of worship. I think next weekend you'll have a chance to see a little bit of the video of that night. Um, Next week is commitment weekend, and if you are uh, new, this is your first week, Uh, okay, Uh, hang on. And if uh, you're just sort of tuning into this, like you've heard me blathering a little bit now and then, but you're like, really? Uh, Next weekend? And how much are we trying to raise? And what are we doing with it? And all those questions, go to the website. This past week, I wrote out seven pages of answers to all the questions I had been given, and they are posted there. So today, I'm going to do something that I have only ever done one other time in the 30-plus years that I've been a pastor. And um, I don't do this happily, but um, I have been persuaded that uh, it's important for leaders to go first. And it's important, uh, if I am asking you to uh, give sacrificially, that you sort of give some idea of how we are giving and what we give and why we give and how we think about that. So this is sort of not the culture of Christ Church. Giving is kept very quiet here. Additionally, uh, most people just don't talk about these kinds of things today. We are far more willing to talk about details of our sex life than we are to talk about details of our finances, like how much we make and how much we give away and where we spend it. But um, in spite of the fact that this is awkward and in spite of the fact that I really don't want to do it, in spite of the fact that I would rather chew sand than do it, um, I'm going to um, to share how Sherry and I think about this, what we give and, and why we give it. And I do this in part because I do believe that giving is not a financial matter with spiritual implications. It's a spiritual matter with financial implications. And uh, I also believe that we don't drift into sacrificial living and giving. 
Somebody has to lead the way. We had great teaching when we were first married and, and getting started. And additionally, we had some great examples that helped us. And I think we really benefited from that. So we are in Genesis um, as uh, we have been for the last few weeks. And so we started in Genesis 11 where we saw everything was sort of getting worse. The lights were going out. Evil was winning. And then Genesis 12 is the call of God. And the call of God to Abraham changes everything. And then in Genesis 13 we had a a contrast case study between Lot, who was sort of selfish and had a scarcity mindset and was living for the moment, and Abraham, who, who was generous and thought about others and had an abundance mindset and was choosing to live by faith and choosing to live in light of eternity. And then we skipped Genesis 14, and last week went to Genesis 15, where we had this amazing passage, some argue the most significant passage in the Old Testament, where we saw God go in. We saw the, the lengths to which God has put himself out there for us. When he walks through that bloody valley, when he declares, uh, bets against himself that he is going to keep his promises uh, because of his love for people and Abraham. And so uh, I'm backing up today to Genesis 14. So I said last week that there, had, there was a battle in Genesis 14. Abraham has to go rescue Lot. A handful of tribal chiefs or kings have gone against the people living in that area of Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, Abraham has to go uh, fight against them to, to, to free Lot. And so uh, we're picking up after that battle, Genesis chapter 14, verse 17. So after his return from the defeat of Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet with uh, Abraham at the valley of Shiva, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed him and said, uh, Blessed be Abram, by God Most High, maker of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. So uh, Melchizedek is a mysterious figure. He sort of shows up on the scene. We don't really get it. He doesn't have any genealogy background. But clearly, he is, um, he is a priest. He, is, he has somehow been ordained by God, directed by God, and Abraham uh, is, receives a blessing from Melchizedek, and Abraham gives 10% of what he has to, to God by giving it to Melchizedek. And this is the first time we find in the Bible the introduction of this concept of a tithe in which the, the first and the best 10% representative of everything is given uh, to God. Uh, it's going to be developed, this idea of the tithe will be developed throughout uh, the Bible. It, it is sort of codified into law under Moses when the Ten Commandments and everything else are given in Mount Sinai. And then it's, it, it gets some play with the prophets, most famously Malachi in, in uh, uh, the last prophet, in which he says, if you don't give 10%, you're robbing from God. And then it, it occurs in the New Testament. Some people say it doesn't, uh, but it does. It's not prominent because 
in the New Testament, the, 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 the threshold is more like 100%, not 10%. And so that's sort of the emphasis that you get. But it does occur in the New Testament. And, uh, and so I want to start by talking about what we give. And then I want to explain why we give it. So we understand, Cherry and I, uh, and, and she's really in the lead on this. Her gift, she's got the gift of giving. And so uh, I have been a... Uh, a participant to some extent in her generosity over the last 33 years and have learned some things um, from her. And so we understand that uh, the top 10% of our income goes back to God. And, and additionally, uh, more than that. So starting with 10%, uh, I know that there are people who think that they make too little to give 10% and people who think they make t- too much to give 10%. So I'm sympathetic with the first, and there are times in talking with people where we've said, okay, let's get a plan and get you, get you to some sort of stability, and but you, you've got to eat, and we've got we to gotta do some things here. And uh, <clears throat> so I'm sympathetic at the low end that it, it, can, it can be a real challenge. We decided, uh, coming out of grad school, I took my first position at a church, and our combined income was less than $17,000 a year, and we had student loans to pay on top of that. We said, we're going we're gonna to do this. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to give 10%. And uh, it was a great, it was hard, but it was a great learning lesson for us, and it was also a, a wonderful time of seeing God provide. So I think it can be done. That said, uh, we think 10% is a starting point. So we think 10% goes back to the local church, and that you give more than that. And... Uh, it has been our practice to, to give more than that in a lot of other different ways. So let me start by saying that um, we have friends who sort of made a commitment that every year they were married, they were going to go up by a percent. And that's not been what we set out to do, uh, and we have not done it. We've been married 33 years. Uh, but we, we have had the joy, and I, I, tr- I truly, some of you won't believe this, but it has been our joy to increase the percentage that we give uh, as not, not just to give away more money because I'm making more money. I make more than $17,000 a year at the, at, at the moment. So it's not just been our joy to give more money away because the percentage of a higher number is a higher number. It's been our joy to increase that percentage. And so at this point, uh, last year, we were giving 25% of our net income away. And as we head into reach, our commitment is to go up by a little bit more than half of what we were giving to the church. So uh, some of you now say, uh, I get it. I, I, I love that. That's the way we think. That's what, what I do. Uh, and, and there's great joy in this. Some of you think that uh, Sherry and I are, are, are crazy. And some of you think we're saints. So I'll just say, uh, I, I don't believe we're crazy, although it does occur to me that we, we could be and not know it. Uh, that happens. Uh, I know we're not saints. Uh, that's just not at all the way this feels. We do not feel like we are living sacrificial lives by doing this. That's not the, that's not the vibe. It is, uh, it is something you learn, something you grow into, and it's, it's something that becomes a great blessing. So, 10 years ago, um, 10 years ago, I wrote a, uh, a list of 10 reasons 
why we gave. And, uh, excuse me, nine reasons. Ten years ago, I wrote a list of nine reasons why we gave. And I went back to that list, and I thought, yeah, this list still applies. And so uh, I want to share that list with you. Number one, we give because we believe we are stewards, not owners. Um, that everything everywhere belongs to God. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. God, God created everything. He maintains all rights. It's all his. We are temporarily entrusted with his resources. We are, we are money managers, if you will, expected to invest his assets in ways that, that reflect his values. So, uh, the first thing I would say is we just we, we, we don't think we own anything. We think it's all his, not just, not just the money we give away. We think he owns everything we keep. Uh, it's God's. And so that's, um, that is our starting assumption. Secondly, we give because we're thankful. <laughs> we give because he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we believe. We're going to live forever. We believe we've been forgiven. We believe that Christ died for our sins. And, and we're amazed and we're overwhelmed and we're joyful. And, and so we give. It's like, what, what do you give to somebody that has given their life for you? you, you it, it's, it, it's not a, a, a mean, capricious thing. It's, 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 a, it's a privilege. Of course we're going to give. So we give because uh, we are thankful. Number three, we give because we feel commanded to give. Um, mentioned the Malachi passage. Uh, There are other passages throughout the Bible that make it quite clear. We are expected to be generous. We are expected to give. Uh, it's, It's not an optional exercise. God is pretty clear that that is what he expects of us. And so um, uh, I want ultimately, uh, I want a lot of things, but ultimately what I want is greater intimacy with God, and I want a life that matters. I want a life that, 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 is, that, that is significant by God's definition of significance. I want, to make a, I want to contribute to his work or to his glory. And so at the end of the day, I want a lot of things that lead to that, but I, I, when I'm thinking clearly, um, I want intimacy with God, and I want a life that matters. And I believe that being generous and giving is sort of uh, an expectation to have that kind of life. Number four, um, we give to keep our priorities straight. We give to keep money in check. Uh, We give because uh, we believe that money is tricky. It's not wrong to have money. Abraham had money. Abraham was wealthy. David was wealthy. Solomon was wealthy. These are people that that God blessed. So it's not wrong to have money. But it's dangerous to have money. Uh, It's it's challenging to have money. And money, when Jesus talks about it, he says it's, it's, uh, he capitalizes the M. He calls it mammon. And it's sort of code for this is a power and it will, it will shape you. It will mold you. It will, it will mislead you if you let it. He says, uh, you know, it's harder for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to pass through the eye of a, of a needle. This is a, it's a metaphor. But it, it suggests that having money is challenging and that we have to be on our guard. 
And uh, we believe, uh, you know, by, by some definitions around here in Chicago and the north side of Chicago, people would not look at us and say that we're rich. But um, we just learned a while ago, we have to not look around our neighborhood. We have to look around the world and realize we're rich. We're really rich. And so all the scary things that God says about money apply to us. It's not to somebody else. They apply to us. And so we give in order to keep money from becoming an idol. And um, we feel like we have to fight that on an ongoing basis. Number five, uh, we give in order to get, both now and forever. We give in order to get, both now and forever. So there are a number of promises in the Bible that say, uh, if we give, God blesses us. Now, you've got to be really careful about these passages because there are people, usually on TV, that will say, if you give to them, right, God is going to give you a 100% return on that investment, probably monthly, and, uh, they, you know, they will quote a number of the same passages that I'm going to, that I'm going to reference. So I'm not saying that. That's not, that's not been our expectation, that God is a great money manager and investing with God, we're going to get big immediate payback. But we're told by Jesus in Luke, uh, I think 18 or 16 maybe, uh, Peter says, uh, God, we've given up a lot to follow you. And Jesus says, yes, nobody gives up anything for me, but that they get it back a hundredfold in the age to come. And then Jesus will say to his followers, don't store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Store up your treasure in heaven where it's going to last, where moth and rust cannot destroy it, where it goes on forever. And then Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 will say, if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. Right? If, you, if you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. And so there are a number of passages that say, Malachi, again, uh, test me, says the Lord, and see if I won't provide for you. And I feel like we're, we, have, we, have, we have leaned into those passages and have, have experienced God's provision with, with sort of low financial stress life uh, because we're trying to keep money in check and God has provided for us. By the way, there was a study that came out not too long ago. Christian Smith, a sociologist at Notre Dame, it's sort of an academic study, five-year longitudinal study, looking at the benefits of generosity. And in this book, it's an Oxford University Press book. The title is uh, Paradox of Generosity, Giving We Receive, Grasping We Lose. Uh, Smith says, people who, this is the, the results of the study, People who are generous with their time, their money, and their associations are happier, healthier, and more resilient than those who are less generous. Quote, by grasping onto what we currently have, we lose out on better goods that we might have gained. By failing to care for others, we do not properly take care of ourselves. It's no coincidence that the word miser is etymologically related to the word miserable. So, um, that's been our experience. Being generous is, is a way to win in life, and I believe it's a way to make investments in eternity. Uh, number six, we give because it makes life simpler. 
So uh, a friend of mine who's been very successful in business uh, said to me a while ago, uh, as soon as you have $1 more than you need, things get complicated. And he had just come over. I, he's been generous with his funds. And uh, I saw somebody approach him making an ask for some of his money. And I sort of backed away from the, from the conversation. And they spoke for 15, 20 minutes. And, and uh, then he comes over. And he knew that I had sort of heard the setup. And he says, as soon as you got $1 more than you need, <laughs> things get complicated. And I, I, think, that's, I think that's true. So... Uh, I heard one person explain it to me that, that there are challenges with what he called full cup living. And I said, I, I'm not familiar with that term. And he says, well, you ever gotten a latte and the barista feels the need to fill that thing to the absolute top, forcing you, right, to bend over and to sort of in front of everybody start drinking while it's on the counter. And then you're walking to your to your chair, especially those of us that have some balance issues, you know, you're thinking, I'm going to spill this, I'm going to spill this, I'm going to spill this, because it's so full. And, and a lot of us have very full lives. Uh, and, and additionally, having very full lives can make us a little, for lack of a better word, shallow. Uh, with a friend, and, and I, I, I felt like I knew him well enough, and I said, Wow, so so far, here's what I picked up from you. You, you had to park your new $85,000 car three blocks away. That was an inconvenience. You, you pulled a muscle playing squash, and you can't get in to see the physical therapist before you leave on vacation. And you're in a bad mood because the restaurant doesn't have free-range chicken. It just has chicken, and it doesn't have tall grass-fed beef. It just has beef. I mean, you've got a tough life going right here, you know? Would you just back up and realize uh, what's going on? And, and, and life can be simpler when you sort of step back from that and say, I'm going to try and keep things in perspective, and I want my cuff, cup to not be so full that I'm worried that it's going to spill. And so we have found that life is simpler. Now, I want to say this. I, I've been reading for the last three or four years. I sort of follow this simplicity movement that is out there that is not ostensibly Christian, although there are a number of Christians embracing it. And there's parts of it that I think are pretty interesting. Parts of it are a little weird. You sort of number all the, how many things you have, and the goal is to have the fewest number of things, and everybody's in competition to get down. And, you know, there's rules, you know, socks. You just It's just one item. You don't have to count two socks that you own. And I, I just... And there's an implication that if you have fewer things, you're better. And you're closer to God and you're more spiritual. I go, not, not necessarily. <laughs> I don't buy that argument. So I'm not, this is not an advocacy of simplicity for simplicity's sake. But life is simpler. And one of the reasons we give is because life is simpler. <laughs> when you don't feel like I'm really responsible for all this stuff and all these multiple, this huge house and all this money and all this stuff that I am responsible for. It is simpler to, um, to be generous. Number seven, we give because it feels right. So what I initially had, first time I wrote the list, we give because it's fun. And sometimes it's fun. But sometimes I wouldn't say that it's fun. Right? So uh, I shared that Sherry's Got, got a gift of giving, and uh, I think sometimes it's more fun for her than it might be for me, although I'm not certain that that's a big motivation for her. But um, 
when we came to the REACH campaign, we set a goal, we set a number a couple months ago. We said, okay, we're, we're going to do this. And then uh, last week, she said, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not entirely comfortable with our number. I, I think we could do more. I think we could, I think we could find a way to do more. Okay? Um, not a, I wouldn't describe that moment for me as fun. <laughs> but uh, it does feel right. And uh, I have... Um, I have regretted some of the money I've spent on myself. I've regretted some, some of the money that we've invested. Uh, I don't, I can't think of any money that I've regretted that I've given away. Right? It's just sort of like, okay, invested that in God's work, invested that in people in need. I don't, I don't regret those dollars. Number eight, we give to set an example for our children. Um, look, this was my list uh, 10 years ago, our children have subsequently left the house. And so this is a little bit less true uh, for us. But, um, but we felt like, uh, and pastor's kids are all often confused, to say the least. Uh, we felt like it was very important to, in every way we could, to say, we're, we're going to walk the walk, not just talk the talk, right? You'll see enough hypocrisy in our lives <laughs> between who people think we are and who we actually are that we want to make, the, you know, where it, where it matters. And money is a pretty objective assessment of faith. Uh, we want to be really clear that we want to be generous and we want to help other people. And uh, we also felt a particular need to do that because, because we live, again, in the in a community that has a, a fair bit of money. And so you gotta, you got to fight to keep your balance and your economic sanity about you. And, uh, and so we just were always trying to say, we need to look not just around the block. Not everybody has, you know, a nice car. Not everybody has a nice house. Not everybody has flat screen TVs. Not everybody has the latest Apple gadget. Not everybody has these things. Lots of people don't have any of the stuff that we have. And so um, we, we felt the need to, to, to model some financial sanity and generosity. And one of, the, one of the stories that we would tell to our kids and to ourselves, quite honestly, was that uh, if the world was, was represented by 100 ponds, P-O-N-D-S is 100 ponds, and we were all fish, we would be the biggest fish in 99 out of 100 ponds. We just happen to be swimming in the one pond that has a lot of really big fish. And so we've got to, we just got to keep our perspective uh, on what's going on. So we gave to be an example to our children. And number nine, um, we gave because we believed in the cause. So we, we would give because we, we believed in the people. We gave because we believed in the mission. Uh, we would give to the church because we believed that the church was God's plan. And that when the church is the church... Not weak, anemic, retiring, but when the church leans into its mission to proclaim the good news and engage in good works, there's nothing like it. And, and uh, I believe that more now than I did 10 years ago. And, and this whole campaign is about doubling down on the impact of the church. So we give because we believed in the cause. So <clears throat> there are other reasons that I came up with, and I, you know, nine is, seems like an incomplete list, and so I felt like I needed to come up with, with ten, and uh, I ended up with a lot more than that. So I'm going to stick with nine. I'll just note that uh, I don't find the reasons for not giving very persuasive and, and never have and thought, I don't want to be that person uh, that's saying that. 
I think it makes sense to me that as a Christ follower, I should live below my means in order to be able to give money away, that that's just what Jesus did, and that's what, what is, is sort of expected. Uh, I think giving and trying to give aggressively has, has created financial discipline in other areas of our life uh, that have been very helpful for us. I think that uh, giving has grown our faith because we have seen God provide, and that's been a very positive thing. And I want to be very clear. We do not think, we do not think that we are contributing to our salvation in any way, shape, or form. Like, we are, we are, you know, we are, that we're good for this. We do not think we're, we, we are not living the lives of being sacrificial martyrs for this. It's not at all the sense that we have. So, <clears throat> I'm going to stop there, and I'm going to say, look, um, some of you are generous. God bless you. Good work. It's the right thing to do. You want to be generous. Some of you are not generous, and it, that's a problem. Uh, it's a problem right now for, for us, because <laughs> I'm trying to get you to be generous. It's a problem for you is the bigger problem. So I know some people talk with people who say, you know, I, I, I probably am the, I probably don't have as much money as everybody else around me. Whatever campus I'm at, I think I'm the poorest person. And I say, well, um, maybe, but, but don't think you just get to sit back. That's just not the way it works. First of all, we're trying to engage 100% of the people and, and I don't think we make our financial goals if we don't. But uh, the bigger issue here is you. <laughs> like, you need to give. Right? You need to be generous. This is part of what it looks like to follow God. So I know statistically, not about Christ Church, we don't sort of track this, but uh, I know that nationally, half the people that attend a church don't give anything. And maybe that's you. And I want to say, you, you need to take a step, right? And now's a great time. You need to take a step. And it does not, you don't have to jump up to 10% or beyond. No, that would be, that would, but take a step, right? Do something. And some of you are, are generous already. Some of you have been supporting Christ Church and other things. Good, good, good. We are asking you to think about stepping it up over the next two years of the REACH campaign. Okay, I'm going to pray for us. Lord God Almighty, uh, we thank you for, um, we thank you that you gave. We thank you for the example that you have given us. Uh, we are overwhelmed by your generosity to us, by your goodness, your love, your care for us. So we pray that we can, we can learn from that, pray that we'd be better stewards of our lives, of our time, of the opportunities that you give us, of the resources, of the insights that you give us. May we, be, may we be generous people, however that gets defined. And we pray that for our church, that we would be a generous church, and that we, we would be increasingly a community of grace, hope, and love that is, is based on the, the, the life, the teaching, the example, the, the death of Jesus Christ, our Savior. So guide us to that end. Uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.